This is Daisen X, the podcast, episode 193 for the week of October 11th, 2009. Welcome to Daisenshu EX, the podcast, an extension of the all-encompassing Dragon Ball fan site, Daisenshu EX. We are here to cover anything and everything Dragon Ball. Julian, finish it for me. In hopes of enlightening and a little bit of entertaining. Thank you, good sir. The gang is all here to catch up on a one-week-delayed manga review of Awesomeness episode. Maybe so one month delayed. One mo- Oh, God, one month and one week. There you go. Oops. <laughs> Our bad. Because it is that time of month, I will start the introductions with the special recurring guest dude. Mr. Jeff, how you doing? Hey, I'm a dude. You are a dude. Sweet. Dude. <laughs> dude. What's up in podcast world with you right now? <laughs> About the same amount of delays as you. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> when things affect you, it affects me and vice versa. Exactly. But uh, hey, we're, we're back on track, hopefully, as well, so... I'm uh, so glad you can uh, join us to talk about kitty porn this week. I am very <laughs> glad to be here to talk about kitty porn, I guess. Let's uh, go over to Japan. Julian, how you doing, man? I'm doing okay. Busy, like you wouldn't believe, and lots of stuff going on, but I'm alive. And let's see, the cultural festival was a few weeks ago. I think I mentioned that last podcast. Yeah. And- now all the students are buckling down, and the second-year students went to Okinawa for their school trip, and they came back with swine flu. And- oh, jeez. Oh, my God. Um. <laughs> <laughs> uh- yeah, so it's been pretty interesting. All right, I'm glad they're keeping you on your toes over there. Yeah, but there's midterm exams in a few weeks, so I may have time to breathe in there somewhere. All right, good deal. Let's finish it up over here with the lady of the show, Miss Mary. How you doing? Mrs. Mary to you, mister. No, actually, you'd be Mrs. Mike. <laughs> that makes you sound kind of weird. I still prefer Mr. Sex. <laughs> Thank you, Jeff. I forgot about Mr. Sex. <laughs> Uh, Mary, what's up? How you doing? Hey, I'm fine. How are you? Fantastic. Um, you. I'm having a beer here. Yeah, Mary's it's, having um, a beer. Fancy that. It's still an acquired taste for me, yeah. but I figured I would have it because these have been in the fridge forever, and they're nice and cold, so I'll help. Why do you have two there? Uh, I'm finishing one and starting the other. Oh my god, I'm like... Hey, long episode, all right? Long <laughs> it's episode. It's true. Alright, that leaves me. My name is Mike. I go by Vegito EX. It's a little after 8 p.m. over here in the U.S., so we are rocking the Yangling. Julian, uh, you said you, you could have a beer with us, but it's, you know, only 9 a.m. over in Japan, and that is the yeah. telling sign of a problem. Yes, it is. So I'm going to pass on that today, but I'll keep your offer in mind. Alright, good deal. Let's talk about what's going on this episode. We are making up for a lost time in spades here. We got your manga review of awesomeness as Mary uh, unfortunately informed me. Delayed not just a week, but a month and a week. We're up to volume 30. And guys and gals, we have all the news and commentary. You can eat this episode. It's going to be a long one. You're in for one hell of a ride. Before we get to the news and the extraneous commentary though let's talk about some stuffage we got all sorts of wondrous stuffage going on i do want to note that i have put in my latest order over on cd japan uh we don't have any donations to talk about right now we did just get two in but i need to figure out where they're going to be allocated to and uh named for what so look forward to that 
But uh, the CD Japan referral credit, you guys are rocking it. It makes such a big difference for us. There were three CDs coming out in November. They are all accounted for. I'm paying 19 bucks in shipping for, I think, $90 of merchandise coming in. So big thanks to all of you. Look forward to crazy music reviews. Uh, it's probably going to end up being early December as I package them all together. I think that Kai song collection is November 4th. And then the last one comes out November 25th. Fifth. So they'll all be packaged together later, and we'll talk about that much later on in, uh, I guess, about a month, month and a half from now. But thank you. I just wanted to say thanks to everyone. Uh, this shiz makes it all happen. We had a little fun thread on our forum. You know, we have tons of fun threads on the forum. But this one, uh, our buddy DNA, who actually contributed one of my many copies of DBZ Movie 1, asked, Hey, Mike, uh, just how many copies of this movie do you actually own? So I took a day, and uh, I finished scanning the covers of the ones I hadn't scanned. And there is a big deep... Jeff, I can see... I'm not looking at you, Jeff, but I can see the reflection of you in the TV over here, shaking your head at me. <laughs> you bet I am. <laughs> so there's a, a detailed analysis of all the various copies I own. Mary, I see final tally. Uh, I think it's eight or nine. Oh, that's it. Freaking God. That, that's I actually thought I it was more. That's what I said. I said it's not that impressive, but some of them are... Sort of interesting. I found your fan sub in the basement. With the awesome, awesome cover. Well, tell me about this, because other people on the forum said the same thing. We had the same comments. I'm going to grab it over here while you're yeah, talking. Yeah, sure. It's right well, next to the computer. This really kind of spoiled me as far as my fan sub purchases go, because it was one of the first ones I ever bought from the flea market. And it was this gorgeous cover comprising of this like image I've never seen used anyplace else. And, you know, it's a clamshell case. It's a color printout, pretty decent looking for a bootleg. And nothing I've ever bought since then, as far as fan subs go, you know, even compares to this. So, I mean, the picture has nothing to do with movie one or two, because I think it's a double feature. Well, that's what we talked about. And I think the examples I've always used have been, like, it'll be the movie 12 cover with the spine text that says, Death of Chibi Boo on it, where it's entirely irrelevant to the content. And this, while it has nothing to do with the movie, I mean, it has has Super Saiyans on the cover, which, you know, it does not match up with the time frame for the first movie. Right. It's not like the Chibi Boo with the picture of GT kind of example. I mean, this is, you know, I can let it slide a lot, but it's, it's definitely interesting. It's not a it's not a movie poster or anything or a poster from any other movies. It's just pretty. This is the kind of thing, it's a relic from Dragon Ball fandom past. You'll never see these kind of things anymore, except for maybe bootleg DVD covers in other you know, territories in the world. But Jeff, you're uh, holding it. You're giving uh, flashbacks of Route 18 Flea Market here? I very much am. This is exactly the kind of quality you would expect from the Route 18 Flea Market with dust in tow. <laughs> oh, that wasn't from the Flea Market. <laughs> oh, but um, uh, the cover image I'm actually kind of um, a little confused by. First of all, Kalilin is the uh the spelling of of uh Kuridin here and on the bottom is trunk's name like i i can't even explain you'll see the image apparently on the forum but it has everybody's name on the top except trunks who's on the bottom did you notice that huh that's interesting and then son goku is a uh, big kind of in the bottom right corner yeah. i don't know where this picture originated from i don't know if it was like a trading card that's what um, i'm thinking it might be a what's card. interesting is that if you look at the spine i mean there's kind of a seamless blending between the back cover and the front cover yeah, with a true. group shot kind of you know smooshed 
in the middle and in between the spine. I, right. Like, do you have like the whole thing scanned or just the front of it? No, I just have the front. So okay, then maybe I'll take it out and do a bigger picture of it for this. Yeah, this is pretty fascinating because it, it looks like it has a little bit of production to it, but exactly what and why? I mean, you could technically just redo the label on the side to something else. So maybe this was like another movie cover or something. Maybe it was a um, a VHS cover from another country because it looks yeah. like the right size to be, yeah. you know, a VHS cover. And I see there's like a little paragraph at the bottom. I wonder if that's in English or some other language. I was actually reading it. It's um, not quite English. Do you want me to read it out? Yeah, read it out for me. It says, uh, you know, give me uh, some time here because <laughs> some of it's a little hard to read, but uh, approximately one year has gone by since Frieza and Goku had engaged in a life-or-death battle on Nameku planet, uh, a spaceship manned by unknown crew and endowed with a gigantic gigantic spiritual power landed on Earth. That last sentence definitely So we're talking sense. trunks, Ira, that's for sure. Yeah. And then the bottom, I can't even read the bottom. It's too small. <laughs> that's fine. Yeah, but it, that, I don't know, that was sort of I like your theory, Mary. Maybe it's a VHS cover from another country. All right, well, let's leave this behind. We have so much other stuff <laughs> to talk about. mystery. Ooh. We do an episode all about Mary's fan sub covers. <laughs> 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 Maybe when we're sick another week, we can uh, pull that one out of our butts. So uh, let's leave all that stuff behind we have a ton of news to talk about let's hit it up we have a few bits on raging blast for you so we're going to cruise through the video game news first uh, let's talk about the north american pre-order information now we know the game is coming out here in the u.s on november 10th so we're uh, about a month off from the release here there's been nothing said anywhere about a limited edition version yet for north america though we've seen plenty of rumblings about europe and a cool version over there there are standard listings for the game on Amazon, but if you go over to GameStop's site, they have a pre-order bonus called the Raging Blast Special Pack, which contains what they call, quote, customized characters of Goku, Vegeta, Gohan, Piccolo, Trunks, and Gotenks. And in addition to them, you can also immediately play as Super Saiyan 3 Broly rather than uh, unlocking him manually. That sounds like cheating. Yeah, exactly. But that's what you, they're trying to do these days. Rather than give you tangible goods, they'll give you intangible digital goods and try to milk you a little bit more. Anyway, if you pre-order online, you'll be emailed the code when the game is released, but if you pre-order in person, you'll pick up a card, kind of a little voucher with all the info on it when the game is released. And that's what we got there. Yes. Now, as for Europe, uh, GameCult.com has an image of the giant package for the limited edition of Dragon Ball Raging Blast. It's got, um, stuff. <laughs> It's got the art book, which I think is 52 pages. Uh, I think I see the number on there. It's got the voucher for what seems to be the same kind of uh, customized content for the characters. Though I remember the Amazon Germany listing saying that the PS3 and 360 versions have slightly different uh, customized characters. The important thing here, though, is the soundtrack CD. I think I saw on another site that it's going to have 29 tracks on it. So that is fairly exciting to me. Mary, looking uh, across the way here, it looks like a pretty nice package to me. What do you think? Yeah, they get the goods, man. And that's why I'm really hot. upset. We know nothing about it over here. Oh, well. All right. I think that's all we got there. It's a big picture. You can check it out on our homepage. But wait, Mike. Oh, yes, Jeff. Apparently, there's an additional character as part of the set. Oh, yeah. We did hear uh, rumblings of two exclusive characters in this game. And first up, we saw Super Saiyan 3 Broly, which we talked about. But you have the big reveal here, Jeff. Go for it. I do. And the big reveal is Super Saiyan 3 Vegeta. Yep. Super oh. Saiyan 3 
Vegeta. Oh my god. I'm, I'm looking at this picture from here, and yeah. it looks just like Super Saiyan 3 Goku, just with Vegeta's forehead slapped on it. I was it. just thinking that, actually. I don't see any real difference, and I guess like the top of his shirt. Oh... Julian, what do you think? Mm, yeah, well, maybe the character design is slightly lazy, but it's, hey, it's Vegeta and Super Saiyan 3. <laughs> A lot of people were saying, of all the other characters, he probably deserves it more. I guess. Some of the mm-hmm. others. I mean, we saw him jump to four at the end of GT. He kind of skipped over three. Might as well throw him a bone and, and give him that. So is the Japanese audience going batshit crazy over this like they did for Broly? Don't know yet. I'm looking forward. Uh, K17, our Japanese buddy who posts on our forum, is actually the one that shared this with us. So I'm hoping for a report from the Japanese fandom side of things, uh, what they have to say about it. Hey, Mike. Yeah. Want well, to know how big a nerd I am? Y- yeah, what's up? When, when you said they skipped over three in GT. Yeah. I was just about to say, just like MPEG. <laughs> <laughs> nerd joke wow excellent <laughs> all right then all right we've got some uh serious non-video game business to discuss oh, now thank you. we've got some big stuff depending on what side of fandom and purchases you're on um funimation this week has announced on their twitter stream um some of the final details about the audio track on the upcoming dragon box domestic release so here's what we got here the included tracks are going to be in order of appearance on the disc the original japanese mono and then a slightly revised english dub with original japanese music score in 5.1 surround sound right which is the track from the orange brick season set right Right, right. This means that, yes, the English dub with TV broadcast music as it was aired on Cartoon Network will not be present on these discs. All right, here we go. I'm going to take this away for a little bit. Please excuse me. I'm not going to call this a rant, but this is serious, Mike, here now. You know, on the show, I try to be Mr. Host and keep things lively, that kind of stuff. I'm just shooting my shit right here, right now. So there are a whole bunch of viewpoints on what they should have included, what uh, different factors for quality, blah, 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 blah. I fully stand behind the it's time to leave this track behind viewpoint. Now, it's not just because I never liked their English dub and I have no interest in it, which is entirely true, but hear me out here. Now, there are technical limitations. It's not just about available disk space, but it's also about the amount of data that can be sent to the player at any given time. Now, Jeff, I know you've done a little bit with DVD encodings. In fact, I'm certified in it, yes. Oh, fantastic. So you know what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. I'm going to oversimplify this a little bit. So bear with me for those of you who know what I'm talking about, but let me bring it down a little bit. So to oversimplify it, it's the bitrate is split among the audio and video. So the more audio tracks you have, the less can be included in that stream that's sent to the player, which of course affects the quality for all of the tracks, the video and audio alike. Yeah, that's a really gross overgeneralization of it, but it's a basic idea. The more audio tracks you have, you have what? Is it like 9,000 is the max, or is it 9,800? I think the video can max out at 9. It's a ridiculous number. Yeah. Everything included in there has to equal or be below that number. So all that has to be jam-packed together. Again, oversimplification, if you want to read up on it, you absolutely can. So that does affect, do we put on two audio tracks, or can we cram three, and how's that going to affect everything? Let's move away from the technical stuff, though. So after coming off of their orange brick sets, so these are all done, they're nine seasons, I think they finished up, I think it was actually earlier this year, or maybe May, it's pretty clear that they recognize and advertise the Dragon Box sets based on its major and really most obvious feature, and that's the video quality. Any decisions on what 
to do or what not to do seem to be, and logically so, based on preserving that. Let's talk about the domestic anime industry today. It's really only Funimation and Viz left right now, with a little Bandai on the side. But look how Funimation has changed over the years. They're not the Dragon Ball and Cyborgs distributor we knew from 1995. They're the industry leader. Now, this example has been given plenty of times before, but... One Piece. They basically cleaned up someone else's mess because they recognized if you simply treat the show with respect the way it should have been from the start, you can develop a deeply attached fan base. Lo and behold, what's happened with One Piece? Ah, 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 what's this? Clean up on aisle two, Funimation. Once again, Funimation comes to the rescue for a show. This time, just announced Initial D. Originally released by Tokyopop, heavy censoring, dialogue rewrites, character name changes, complete musical score replacement. Funimation is completely redubbing the show, entirely new dubcast, faithful to the original version, including its original Japanese musical score. Which of these is not like the other? Doesn't take a brain surgeon. DBZ is the only one of their properties that does not fit in with this style. So, Orange Bricks are done. These were basically their last-ditch effort to continue promoting the series as, oh my god, hardcore new hotness. Look, we're a full decade after even season three's original production. They have to start treating DBZ as nostalgia rather than new hotness. They can't do it anymore. So yes, for the extremely vocal minority of Funimation loyalist fans, as I'm going to call them. Now, don't take that derogatory. It's what you are, what you may be. It's not what we are. If that's what you are, fantastic. I recognize you exist. For those of you that want nothing other than the cast with the music that you know and that you love, and yet you're knowledgeable and educated enough, because, I mean, you're listening to our show, you have to be pretty smart, to understand the video problems from before, yeah, it sucks. You're not getting your perfect, definitive product. But look, this is the first time in your entire fandom, we talked about this before, that you have not been directly catered to. And if you choose to go on these foul-mouthed tirades, parading around your sense of entitlement, you're doing exactly the same thing you apparently had such a problem with the uh, Japanese version fanbase doing the last 15 years. So it looks ridiculous, it looks hypocritical, no one's going to take you seriously, including Funimation. I'm done. Other thoughts? Oh... That's well, heavy stuff. glad you got that off your chest, Mice. Yes, I, I feel I feel good now. Anyone else want to chime in on Dragon Box with the removal of the dub broadcast audio track? Uh, I'm actually interested in buying these now. Were you not before? No, in fact, if you remember my standpoint when we were talking about him, I said I was more oh, interested in Kai. that's right. You were more interested in Kai, and now Kai's, we've all decided we're not really interested in that. Oh, yeah, I, I actually told you off the show that uh, with the changes that they've been doing to the show and all the shortenings that I'm not really in tune with and not being more like the manga like they said it would. Yeah, forget it. Right. And then taking it back to the full TV series, we're all at points in our lives. We can't sit and watch a 291 episode show. We just don't have the time to do that. Mm -hmm. But you still are not saying you're somewhat interested in these sets. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's going to take a while for me to to watch it. But, you know, if I just do it like the original TV series where I do an episode a week, then, of course, it'll take years. In 11 years. years. (laughs) But you know what? I I have a feeling that I'm going to. We're not going anywhere. It's fine. Right. I had a just, I guess, a devil's advocate thought. Uh, you love playing. That I do role. because I am of the mindset overall that okay, this is finally what we want after all these years. We never get what we want. Huzzah! Yay! Right. right. But you mentioned before um, treating Dragon Ball Z as nostalgia rather than new hotness. Yes. But for the majority of the audience in this country, the old dub with the old that dub music—that is the nostalgia factor. It's true. But and they got. Pretty- 
to play devil's advocate against you, I think the people I, I, I use complaining. If you want to think of that negatively, so be it. I mean, we're Dragon Ball fans. All we do is complain. I think the select people complaining about that, they are just that, a minority. I think a lot of people will just pop in the show and just watch it regardless of the music playing in the background. Some of them may notice it's different. We've seen a lot of anecdotal evidence from a lot of people on our forum and elsewhere. They pop it in for friends and they just watch it. And their friends don't even know that this is now the original Japanese music because they saw it once on TV mm-hmm. and that was it. So that's... My devil's advocate to your devil's advocate, but I do acknowledge and accept, yes, there is an educated fan base of what I call the Funimation loyalists. Again, if you want to take the, that negatively, so be it's it. It's because but. you did too good a job of telling them what was wrong with the orange bricks. <laughs> exactly. And right, now that right. they all know that you know the video is not what it should they be. They feel they deserve this now, too. Right. Or at least want it. Oh, I and I, I, I get that. I mean, we're, again, 15 years in, finally getting what we want. We know what it's like to not get the product that you want. Well, I'm not understanding that, because the Dragon Box has been in Japan. I, I really don't see how this audio announcement is really that big a deal when we're getting something that Japanese have had and we craved, right, for a very long time. Yeah, but that's us who want to watch the show in Japanese. There is a vocal minority of fans who want to watch their English dub that they know and associate with the show, with with the dub broadcast music. And they're smart enough to know, all right, this widescreen thing was bullshit. I want to watch it in the properly remastered 4x3. Well, they can't do that now. That does describe a vocal minority to me. You're right. All right, no comment from me. That's what I got. It was news. We've had a lot of stuff building up to it. You know, Adam Sheehan, I think, at the conventions, I think it was AWA, because Brackus reported in for us. He said uh, it was going to be the three tracks from the Orange Bricks. This seems to be the final decision. We're a month It needs off. to be. Yeah, they need to go in production here. Maybe they just looked at the final tally and realized they didn't have enough space on the disc. And again, I bring it back to that. If you're going to cut a track due to logical, technical limitations, I'm hoping we can all agree that was the right choice to make. That's what we Yeah, think. yeah. I mean, with the group of people on this show right now. Right. Yep. Absolutely. Do we know if they're dual layer? Of course they are, yeah. Okay, yeah, then absolutely. And th- that was the other thing. These, the Japanese discs were six episodes. These are seven per disc. So you're already bumping it up a little bit. You're already pushing some of your DVD technical limitations. You have to make some kind of sacrifice. So be it. Julian, you're over in there in Japan. Um, is this affecting you in any way? Um, no. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> I don't mind. All right. Uh, I'm going to leave that behind with the final note that we have said before in the show, we've extended an invite to Funimation to come on and talk about these sets. They have responded at that point in time. I have followed up with them, and I have not received a response. So if you are from Funimation, uh, I'm going to follow up again and say we would still love to have you on the show to talk about these sets. We're a month off. People uh, more or less have the final details, but I think there's still a lot we don't know. Uh, what kind of extras, what kind of release schedule we're looking at, that kind of stuff. Still a lot of questions people have. So um, I'm still really hoping we can pull them on and talk about it. We're going to put the Dragon Box behind us. The big news from the last couple days. I was excited to discover this in my feeds one fateful morning. It's kind of uh, moderately exploded in various places here and there on the internet. Uh, Anime News Network picked it up from us. Uh, I was very happy to... uh, See a discussion going on over there. The next day, uh, there was a follow-up to the story, and then some of the other sites, was it IVC2 picked it up, uh, Anime Nation Blog picked it up. So there's been some discussion about the kitty porn. Yes, Dragon Ball, for all you folks out there, 
is indeed child pornography, at least according to some folks down in Maryland. Now, I thought it was Delaware. Or was it Maryland? No, it was Maryland. Oh, okay. Yes. The newspaper was from Maryland, or Delaware. I don't know. I thought the URL had Delaware in it. <laughs> no, it's uh, Meldarva now, was it, or something like that? So you might have interpreted that as Delaware. Delmarva. Yes, it kind of oh. looks like Delaware. And the way this went down is apparently in Wilcomico County, uh, down there in Maryland, the mother of a nine-year-old child in the local school there. They don't make it clear if the library is shared between two schools, if the two schools are attached to elementary and middle school. Don't really know there. Mother of a nine-year-old, uh, this kid had the first volume of the Dragon Ball manga released by Viz, and she, she was slightly outraged at the sexual material in there. And the way this seemed to go down was that she contacted her local county council. Uh, the person that got involved was Joe Holloway, who's a Republican from that area. Now, he presented this to his council, stating that the drawings and storylines are disgusting. Now, what he did is it seems like he passed around photocopies of several scenes from Volume 1 of the manga here. The original story, uh, Superintendent John Fredrickson stated, it's coming off the shelves as soon as I can get a phone call back to the office. It seems like he didn't even really know what was going on. This was all going on behind the scenes. First thing that tips it off is strange to me is that this mother went straight to a council? The, the, the county council. Why not ra- call, like, the Why librarian? Why would talk to the librarian? <laughs> rather than the librarian, rather than the principal. Someone must be very bored. Uh, or know. very self-righteous. Yes, well, we're definitely going to get to that. This didn't happen in New Jersey? <laughs> Don't make fun of our state, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> I'm allowed up from here. Uh, the story, the original story continued on a little bit. They believe that the volume of the manga was purchased through funds provided by a grant rather than the librarian specifically chose this volume. And they also noted that graphic novels are an accepted part of their collection. They said that it engages those students who otherwise may not be interested in what they call, quote, traditional forms of reading. We've seen this before. A lot of uh, free public libraries, they, they stock graphic novels, try to get kids in there reading. Julian, before we go further with this story, I want to turn it over to to you to tell us a little bit about what happened in 1999, late 99, early 2000. Yeah, so late 99, early 2000, Viz was still putting out the monthly editions of Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z, and these were going on to newsstands and stuff, and basically, you know, some irate parents were upset with the uh, content inside them and demanded that Viz censor them. Right, and the big deal here was Toys R Us actually completely banned it from their shelves. I believe at this time, it was a four-year-old who picked up the Dragon Ball manga in a, in a pack. Yeah, a four-year-old in a pack of comics that they purchased at Toys R Us. Uh, and the father of the son described them as borderline soft porn images of, quote, naked boys and girls. And as I noted, it was pulled from Toys R Us at that time. So, Julian, you, uh, you took it from here a little bit. Uh, what did you do around this time? I wrote a petition. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so cute. I don't know. I, I was very um, mm, irate at the time. I'll put it that way. But I felt that that was the most productive way to channel my rage rather than ranting about it on the internet and what have you. <laughs> oh, the ironing. Yes. But, yeah, it, uh, it got the attention of the publisher, and actually they started not censoring their titles for a while, but now they've gone back to censoring, just not quite as badly as before. Yeah, I'm very much considering what we did for our recent feature on Funimation's release of the video, the TV series. I think we need something like that. 
for the manga. It's just a unintelligible story. I'm I'm just I think that maybe now that Viz is through everything eventually, you know, they've got the omnibus things which are their equivalent to the orange bricks, I guess. So after they finish that, maybe they'll go back and do the Kanzenban release. I don't know because I mean we have something like this popping up. This gives them every reason never to do an uncensored uh, release of the manga. Well, if they're specifically marketing it that way, they can make it clear and that's to... something that I think <laughs> gets to the heart of some of the confusion about the labeling yeah. and the packaging and... And of course they'll be promptly ignored by people who want to start something over nothing, so yeah. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And we've talked about this endlessly on the show about Funimation and Viz. It was brought up in our forums discussion, it was brought up elsewhere and other discussions across the internet. Sure, the back of this manga the one we're looking at is the Shonen Jump printing of it, the red cover, has a kind of small T for teens rating on the back. Thing is, these companies never make it clear just who it is they intend these for and who they're marketing at. It's just absolutely ridiculous and confusing. Let me give you a couple examples here. I mean, Funimation began with Dragon Ball 95, is in 98. Conflicting marketing demographic constantly. You go to Funimation, is the anime, is, is it kid-friendly or is it a super bloody awesome hardcore? The manga is rated teen, but clearly they're marketing this at children really of all ages with the Shonen Jump and the playing cards and all that stuff. The Shonen Jump I guess you call it the magazine, when they started that up, it claimed to be a faithful to the original version kind of translation, and yet it slowly transitioned really to an edited shadow of its former self, as I described it on the homepage of the site. Now we have Viz putting out these chapter book Viz Kids version of it, right alongside their umpteenth repackaging of the manga. We've got the video games using the dreaded H-word, censored dialogue and name changes and stuff, but it's rated teen. And the uncut releases say Mr. Satan on video. It's completely conflicting. How is someone who isn't us able to make sense of this? My conclusion is that they're not. We see this happening right now. They have no idea what's going on. I mean, even just among, you know, anime fans themselves, I'll occasionally go on the Anime News Network forums just to see if anyone's talking about Dragon Ball and you got people who claim, oh, this show is meant for people... 12 through 16 and and other people like us who know no this is really for like five-year-olds <laughs> so i mean there's obviously a disconnect with people getting this impression that this is meant for like teens and older to be fair depending on which country you're in and what the feelings are and different moral things, codes that kind of stuff Dragon Ball is not for high school and college students. It's for it's for everyone, really. Look at the juvenile humor in this early stuff. I mean, sure, you can interpret some of it as sexual, but we have people carrying over from Dr. Slump. We have poop on sticks. We have an anthropomorphic pig running around with panties on his head while dressed up in communist gear, by the way. Absolutely fantastic. I mean, Bulma's 16. She's parading around her chest. Yeah, 16-year-old girls are proud of their boobs. This happens. But it's, you don't talk about that stuff in the U.S., and that's what not. this whole problem you know, stems from, is what is and is not culturally acceptable. Couldn't guess that from the cover, though. It's so happy! And that's what I love about it, is all these news stories put off the cover of the manga on it. All right, so this continued the next day. Uh, 
uh, over on DelmarvaNow.com. They uh, posted a follow-up to the story. And I liked how the writer, his name is Greg Latshaw, uh, he had an opening line about manga often being geared towards adults, but... I guess Salisbury University professor, I think it's in the same area, the town or city of Salisbury, professor there, Adam Wood, further leads in the article inferring that all manga is for adults. So you have something very conflicting. You look at this cover. I mean, this is not an adult manga. And a lot of people pointed this out. Uh, Some of the comments over on the news story here, people were interpreting graphic novel harping on graphic. Well, graphic means this has graphic violence and nudity. That's what graphic novel me oh, are you shitting me I, i'm not shitting you that people don't know what this stuff is so they read that they immediately that's how they interpret it yeah well i actually read once a scholarly article about manga that identified magical girl as the male wish fulfillment with a quote-unquote magical girlfriend which i think is a different genre but and one yeah. that's uh, slowly crept into the forefront over uh, some of the most recent years but certainly that's not how it started over there yeah so it's very bizarre that should know better just yeah I, I know i know the article continued uh an announcement from the school spokesperson tracy soller noting that dragon ball manga was indeed pulled from school shelves and that there was going to be a committee which would consist of internal administrators as well as what they called outside the school system uh folks would review the volume in question really the final decision was going to rest with superintendent john frederickson but we're bringing it back to councilman joe holloway we uh reached out to him for a quote some kind of anything talk about the situation did not get back to us he described all of this this manga this terrible stuff as disgusting (laughs) what makes it even worse comment from mark thompson the county school board president the pictures i saw if it was meant for adults it crosses the line for child pornography if it's for a child why show these scenes for children yep they're playing the this is kitty porn card here you heard it here are, are, they, are they they the kind of people that consider any kind of nudity to be pornography well that's the thing here 14 year old goku jumping through the air to kick a fish yeah but he doesn't look 14 I, come I, on <laughs> i i agree i agree anyone who glances at that would think that's a five-year-old kid running around with his ding dong hanging Whether out he, th- that would make it even better because five-year-olds run around with their pants it. down all the you time. You still can't talk about that in this country because children, you know, they don't have penises or vaginas. <laughs> they just don't. What are you saying? Stop. God. Don't. When you change your diapers and stuff, don't they have like, you know, Barbie and Ken doll, you know, privates? Yeah, there's nothing there. Yeah, it's just smooth. This I've... gets even more confusing. Now we have Dragon Ball Kai, which is covering up the ding-dongs. Right, even in Japan, I mean, that's the thing that's been getting me so riled up over Kai as a whole. Is like, I can expect that sort of thing for America, but now Japan is becoming all prudish? What? Yeah. Well, standards have changed. I mean, in Jump, sure, you're not sure. allowed to show that. If you have uh, harem comedy, you can give an uncensored version in the Tankobon, but you still can't show it in the magazine, apparently. Right, right. And it's kind of fun for this kind of genre. With this story on the homepage, I linked over to something I wrote over on uh, VG Convos. This was from a few months back. If you're listening to the show, you know what the game Animal Crossing is. Uh, actually, someone with the Internet Crimes Task Force in Missouri, this is what they had to say about Animal Crossing. There is no reason an adult should have this game says Andy Anderson, Mid-Missouri Internet Crimes Task Force. Anderson says adults playing Animal Crossing and similar games are likely doing it for the wrong reasons. 
Yes, Dragon Ball is kitty porn and Animal Crossing aids child endangerment. These people just don't have any clue what the fuck they're talking about. And we just see this continuing and continuing. So, Mary, I'm going to turn it over to you. There's a couple questions here. Should the first volume of Dragon Ball, as released by Viz, and we know that there has never been a complete run of uncut manga from Viz... Even knowing that, should this volume of the manga be in an elementary or middle school library? No, because our standards are way different and people would easily fly off the handle like this without even bothering to research or get educated because people are just so close-minded about, you know, cultural differences. They don't give a crap what's acceptable in another country. Jeff? Full-on agreement with that. Uh, Let's put it this way. What is it doing in that school board uh, or that school library in the first place, honestly? Because uh, last I checked, you usually screen these things. Now, um, the library, if you want to play the blame game, let's put it this way. You can blame the library for not checking the back of the manga to see what the rating was. However, you can also put the blame on Viz for putting it so freaking tiny with no age range on the actual volume at all to describe what teen is. And marketing it towards children. You can and see it's for children. teens on it, but clearly they're not aiming for just no, high school students here. Exactly. So uh, if you want to play that game, you can because both are at fault in this case. You're you're dealing with people who don't have any context behind this fandom at all because we're so used to this. And uh, especially, I mean, Julian can definitely ring true on this one with uh, just how the Japanese culture is and how their morals are so incredibly different. But it's also like uh, it's also like a family visiting Europe and and getting shocked at how Movies many on tits, TV. At how many tits are on TV? Like, are you kidding me? Of course it's different. You're an entirely different country. It, do they really think that this was American made or like that this was with American values? Do they have any idea what they're dealing with well, here? Should they? For some people, American culture and social norms is the only frame of reference they have, and for lack of any other experience with other sets of values, they go ahead and assume that the whole world thinks that way. Well, let's not have to force them to think that way. All right. Instead, (laughs) let's make it better for everybody by actually putting a more suitable rating on the back of the manga like they should have done in the first place and have the library superintendent or the the, the school system superintendent not get involved because obviously he's not going to be contributing anything to this discussion. My problem isn't even the superintendent. I have a problem with this parent going to this county council. It seemed like the superintendent didn't even know what was going on at first. As I said on the site, I think there's some ulterior motives going on. This guy's trying to make a name for himself, trying to do something. Oh, it's, it stinks of politics. I, I don't see why you would need to get to this level. It, it, the result that you need to have happen is, okay, maybe this isn't appropriate for the school. Gone. End of discussion. Now, I agree with all of you. I Maybe this volume shouldn't belong in the school, especially if it's a joint elementary middle school. At the same time, yeah, We're all late 20s, pushing 30s here. Dragon Ball is for kids. Dragon Ball always has been for kids. Dragon Ball always will be for kids. It's great that we can all enjoy it, but it's about poop. And hee hee, isn't that so funny? And sure, it changes later on with this intergalactic battle, good versus evil. It's juvenile humor. It's for kids. It's always going to be for kids. Yeah, if the way you look at the kind of stuff that teenage boys laugh at yes (laughs) and we can laugh at it too farts are funny farts are always going to be hilarious for everyone and that's what dragon ball is in its earlier days i mentioned on the site the could it in versus bacterian he's this disgusting guy because his hands down his crotch and the logic behind this fight is i don't have a nose so i can beat him even though he's gross this is what we're dealing with here it's ridiculous it's absurd it's juvenile it's for kids take it out of your elementary school let's be done with it so then let me 
propose one final question to you. Did we blow it out of proportion? Well, you brought kitty porn into it. Obviously, you I did not. The superintendent called it kitty porn. Yeah, he did. Well, that's what I, I was pointing to him. Exactly. Okay. Um, yeah. No, he he definitely started a fire by throwing that quote into it. Because uh, what does he expect us to do? To sit back and be like, oh, well, I guess it could be viewed as kitty porn. Uh, no, that's saying that you're you're basically defecating on the entire series that way. <laughs> right? It's like if you're going to ban volume one, ban the rest of the series. That's, my, all, that's what they're trying to do. My deal is Viz has been releasing this here since 1998. Right. If this was child pornography, we would not be in 2009 with a release from Viz. I think I remember you mentioning that in the article's thread where you said that they've been releasing it since 1998, and maybe you could have been a little bit more clear by saying, and, I know and since, it's becoming, word, yeah. since it's been coming out that long, no one's really complained. But the person, I think, who replied to you interpreted that as, oh, just because it's been around for 10 years doesn't make it okay. Do we have anything else to say on the matter? I think we all agree. Take it out of school. Let's be done with it. Dragon Ball's not kiddie porn. Of course, we can justify that because we talk about it week in, week out. And we I don't. just, I just hope this doesn't lead to like a bigger issue, like the I hope comics fun. code yeah. from like back in the day. Like suddenly, everyone has to give all manga published in this country a, a look see to see. Or how indecent is this stuff? Well, with Dragon Ball, we we dealt with it ten years ago. We'll deal with it now. I think this really sets us back on an uncensored manga release. Unfortunately. And finally, we're getting it with the TV series, the manga. I don't know. I mean, no one complains to Funimation about this kind of stuff. Sure, the TV version is, I guess you could say, slightly censored from the manga here and there. But Well, let me let me bring up a point uh, that I actually uh, was able to get today when you first told me about this. Okay. Or, or I saw it in your Twitter, I guess. But um, I have a friend who uh, works in, who's a librarian in one of the New Jersey library systems. I won't go into it. Sure. And the the way that she does it, she's been fighting for more manga in the library. And they've been fighting her back saying, no, we need more traditional forms of literature. Well, they know. It, it brings the kids in. It, it's if just like any argument. store. You get someone yeah. in the store with one tactic. If you get them in there, maybe they'll buy something else. Same right. thing with libraries. Yeah, absolutely. So she's been using graphic novels as a way to get the kids in. And it's been working. And they love it. And uh, it gets them to reading Something. Maybe they'll pick something else up while they're there. Right? Who knows? They'll pick up Journey to the West because it's based on that. <laughs> exactly. Right? I mean, that's good a, luck with that. I know, right? But still, it's some. It's it's a progression. It, yep. it helps the kids out. Like it gets them to do something. Uh, I asked her what she would do in the situation, and she basically said, if the parents going to go past her, yep. she's going to interject immediately and try to get it away from as many hands as possible. Because at this point, this is a this is politics. This is a political ploy to get the story to as many hands as possible to just make a big deal out of it when it doesn't have to be. She would make sure that the story wouldn't stretch anywhere past her and so, would squash it. So again, I ask you, is it our fault for blowing it out of proportion? Even though Mr. Holloway here is going out of his way to make it a big deal I wouldn't locally. say so. I mean... They're, they're, they're making a huge deal out of something that they could have taken care of very quietly without any kind of fuss and that very few people would have complained about. I mean, we might have complained about it if we'd heard about it, but we probably wouldn't have heard about it. <laughs> yeah, the fact that there's a story means we're going to talk about it. I don't think we blew it out of proportion because if you didn't see it in your news feed, someone else would have in the sure. anime community and reported they, on they it. They would have learned about it, yeah. I guess the only difference is that we have more yeah. of a vested interest in the fandom to add some additional commentary to right, just right. stating the facts. Please, God, don't anyone in your forum reach out to these people and make it worse. <laughs> <laughs> yep. All right. Are we done with the news, folks? We're, what, 45, 50 minutes into the show here? <laughs> Great show, guys. <laughs> See you next week. 
topic yet. All right, we're done with the news. Let's turn it over to our topic for the week, Manga Review of Awesomeness. Fancy that, we have a long discussion about manga and is it possibly kitty porn? What are we going to do? Talk about manga for probably another hour or so. We are up to volume 30 in our manga review of Awesomeness. If you're just joining us for the first time, wow, you had one hell of a news segment for your first episode of Daizenshu EX. Anyway, what we do is every month, usually the first week of every month, we hit the manga volume by volume. We give you a recap of all the chapters in it, and then we get all sorts of perspectives. We've got Julian and myself that have read the whole thing front to back multiple times. We've got Mary over here, equally long-time fan, but not necessarily... Uh, an avid reader of the entire manga. I have read this section multiple times. You have, so you're vastly familiar with this. Yes. All right. Then we got our buddy Jeff over here. He is the Dragon Ball newbie, the virgin. He's reading through the manga for the first time ever in his life. And he's shocked at how much porn is in it. <laughs> I am appalled. Although we are closing in at some point on what you've seen in the TV version before. Oh, yeah, we're getting to it. You, you know what's coming, sort of. Then, yeah, predictions are going to be kind of unfair. They'll be interesting around then. So, yeah, we'll, It's more we'll, going to be like, let's test Jeff's memory. Test yeah, it's going to be a memory quiz. <laughs> I uh-huh. like that. Yep. We'll rename it for those uh, couple episodes. What we do with Jeff over here is get his newbie perspective. He picks up on things that we just gloss over from time to time. And then we get his uh, predictions. We check in with what he thought was going to happen last time, and then we look ahead to the next volume and make him guess. And we're doing it again this time. Our buddy Herms from over at Constantine keeps uh, a nice little list of the differences between the original Japanese release and Viz's translation. So we got some notes on uh, what's been changed there. Before we hit into uh, chapter 350 here, let me tell you what's going on. Chapters 350 through 361. This is original Tankobon Volume 30, like I mentioned. If you're going by the Kanzenban release from Japan uh, a few years back, it's going to be about halfway into Volume 24, and then the first two chapters into Volume 25. If you're going by the Viz Kitty Porn Graphic Novel release, this is going to be Dragon Ball Z Volume 14. And if you're going by their recent Viz Big release, this is going to be DBZ number 5, which I believe is actually due out later this month. So you uh, are going to play a little bit of catch-up with us. Julian, I'm going to start with you. Take it away. Chapter 350. Chapter 350. Trunks tries to stop Vegeta from blasting his way in, but it's to no avail. Once the door is gone, Trunks confirms that these are 17 and 18. Dr. Gero tells them to kill these friends of Son Goku who destroyed number 19 and almost did him in. But 17 is curious that Gero created yet another one of them, and assumes correctly that it was an energy absorption model, which 18 says must have been because it was easier to control him that way, unlike them and their infinite energy. Ooh, someone's violating the laws of physics. Number 17 says he'll kill them when he feels like it, while number 18 notices uh, the other one in a pod on the ground. That'd be number 16. Trunks has never heard of a number 16, and 17 says to go ahead and open him up. Gero screams for them to stop since that failure will destroy the world. Kudidin thinks about running away while they can, which Vegeta says is okay since he's the only one that can kill them all. Gero threatens to deactivate his creations and even make another controller, but 17 has had enough. He stuffs his hand through Gero's chest as number 18 starts up 16, rips his hand back out, and then chops off Gero's head with a swift kick. As the decapitated head calls them pieces of junk, 
17 jumps over, which is directly in front of Corellian, and stomps into pieces in one blow. Trunks refuses to let there be any more Jin Zoning, and then as number 18 goes to start up 16 once more, he explodes into a Super Saiyajin and lets out a giant blast of energy into the room, completely destroying the surrounding area. When the smoke clears, though, 17 and 18 holding 16's pod up above her head, are still standing there. She tosses it down and kicks it open, revealing the monstrously sized 16 inside. Jeff, give me 351. Number 16 steps out, and 17 asks him how it feels to get out. He doesn't respond. They ask what Dr. Garrow meant by that he might destroy the world, but he once again does not answer. Now they ask him if he was created to kill Son Goku, to which he firmly answers, yes. 17 says he hates to follow Dr. Garrow's orders, but they at least need a sense of purpose, so they might as well take off and go kill Goku. And that's that. They fly off into the distance. Vegeta's pride is hurt since they totally ignored him. Gah. So he bursts into Super <laughs> So he bursts into Super Saiyajin and plans to follow them as they are headed towards Goku's house and, of course, he needs to be the one to kill Kakarot. Trunks rushes in front of him and tries to stop him, saying that they have to wait for Goku and take them on together. Vegeta's had enough of this and slams Trunks in the gut before blasting off in pursuit. The Jinzo Ningen land on a highway somewhere 18 wonders if they're going to walk, but 17 says they'll wait for a car to eventually drive by and take that. It's a game, really. 18 says it must be a boy thing, so 17 asks 16 if he understands. 16 says that he was created, quote-unquote, from nothing. He is a full-on robot, unlike them. Vegeta finally lands and shit-talks for a while as the Jinzo Ningen smugly shit-talk him right back. 18 tells 16 to go ahead and take him out, but he refuses. 18 will just go ahead and do it on her own then. Mary, give me 352. Number 18 rushes in. Her and Vegeta trade blows back and forth, but Vegeta tosses and slams her into the side of a cliff. She breaks out and he kicks her around a bit more, which actually surprises 17 a little bit. Vegeta's better than Dr. Garrow's data said he was. Vegeta says he can't tell when they're injured, so he'll just blow them to bits. A truck appears in the road behind 18, but Vegeta lets loose a blast anyway, destroying it. But 18 just hops to the side to avoid it. They both acknowledge that they aren't using their full power, so 18 will oblige now. She rushes in faster than Vegeta expected, and though he gets in a punch, she just smirks, knees him, and smacks him to the side. Trunks and the others land at the scene of the fight as Vegeta gets up. Chapter 353. 17 says that even 18 won't be able to take them all on, so he'll have to step in if necessary. Or will 16 do so? He says he won't. He was only programmed to kill Son Goku. Vegeta refuses to leave, never mind team up with them all. 17 starts clapping in celebration of Vegeta's wonderful speech. He knows they all respect the warrior's way, but if any of them jump in to help Vegeta, he will personally get involved. 18 and Vegeta continue their fight, with Vegeta mostly getting slammed around, but he manages to knock her into the ground. He fires a blast down at her, but she's still standing, though her clothes are pretty messed up. He flies down to meet her. She's surprised that there's someone this strong, and wonders if Son Goku is even stronger. Vegeta says he was before, but now he personally has reclaimed his place at the top. She's disappointed, since this means that she doesn't have to worry about either of them then. The two resume their fighting. Vegeta's not happy now. And though Trunks thinks Vegeta is holding his own, Piccolo blurts out that Vegeta is going to die. 18 is slowly wearing him down, though she never loses an ounce of energy herself. 18 slams Vegeta around some more and ends with a kick to his left arm. Trunks has had enough. He bursts into Super Saiyajin and flies in to help. Julian, 354. Chapter 354. Trunks jumps in and the other 
others follow and pretty much get destroyed by 1718. Vegeta manages to get one good blast out at 18, but she dodges and kicks his ass down to the ground. Vegeta trunks Piccolo and Tenshinhan are all down for the count. 18 says she could probably take out Vegeta's other arm, but he fades out of Super Saiyajin. 17 notes that that was pretty weird since the other guy did the same thing, that other guy being trunks, and they had no data on him at all. Oh well, that was fun. 17 and 18 return up to the road where Kuritin is standing in fear. 17 tells him to hurry up and feed them some Senzu so they recover. He'll be happy to take them on any time. He's not going to ask where Son Goku is since it'll be more fun to him on their own. Who knows, maybe Goku will even come looking for them? 16 is looking off into the distance, irritated that the birds flew away due to all the noise that they were making. 18 says no cars are really coming through here so they should just go somewhere else. Kuritin just stares at them with a dot dot. Dot. Jeff, 355. Kuriden runs over to the Jinzo Ningen and asks what it is they want. 17 explains that it's just a game for them to search out and kill Son Goku. He tells Kuriden to hurry up and feed his friends the Senzu or they'll die. 18 gives him a peck on the cheek and says goodbye, and the three of them fly off into the sky. Kuriden hurries over and splits up the remaining Senzu. Piccolo is surprised they even knew about the Senzu beans, really, and says they all weren't even worth killing to the Jinzo Ningen. Vegeta simply blasts off. Trunks wants to take off after him, but Piccolo tells him not to. Trunks says that the Jinzo Ningen in his future weren't this strong. He was at least able to put up a fight against them. Kuriden asks Piccolo if he has a plan and to share it with them, you know, his friends. Piccolo screams that he is still a demon and is just using them to take over the world and blasts off into the distance to get some MySpace buddies. Kuriden smiles and says that he's flying off towards where Kami-sama is. He remembers that Saichiro told him that Piccolo and Kami were originally one being, and if they had not split, the Saijin battle would have been absolutely nothing for him. He must be going to remerge into this one being. If everyone else is becoming a super Saijin, he'll be like a super Namekian. The Dragon Balls will probably disappear, but if Piccolo's killed, they'll disappear anyway, so might as well go and do this. Vegeta's flying off on his own, cursing the Jinzo Ningen, with Piccolo gone now, too. Kuriden, Trunks, and Tenshinhan all take off together. Trunks says Goku should be better within 10 days. Kuriden says they should be able to lay low for that long, especially since the Jinzo Ningen don't seem to have power sensors. Back at Goku's house, Chi-Chi is frantically trying to find the medicine. She eventually finds it and gives it to Goku, who seems to calm him down a little bit right away. Yamcha says it's contagious, so he and Chi-Chi should also take some. Piccolo flies up in the sky, Past Karin, Kami and Mr. Popo stand waiting. Piccolo arrives, blips his cape back on, and steps onto the palace grounds. Mary 356. Everyone kind of stares at each other for a bit. Piccolo supposes Kami already knows why he's here. And he does. Piccolo says this will not be equal. He will be the basis for the being. And the only reason Kami even exists at all right now is for the Dragon Balls. Kami seems to accept this reality against Mr. Popo's protests. However, he needs to wait a little bit while Kami observes the Jinzo Ningen just a little while longer to see if they actually prove a threat to the planet. Piccolo says he will wait until Kami realizes it's too late. Seventeen and the others spot a truck down on the ground and land to take it. Sixteen dumps the cargo out of the Lucky Foods van <laughs> and they hop into drive off as the two men from the truck watch on in disbelief. Eighteen reiterates that she just wants to go and get some clothes first. Ten Shinhan says he's gonna go check in with Chaozu, so Kuridin and Trunk are left alone to go to get Goku and move him. As I land at Goku's house, Kuridin, thinking about number 18, asks Trunks if they're really that bad. Chi-Chi lets them in, and they inform everyone that they have to go to Muten Roshi's, since the Jinzo 
Negan are on their way here to kill Goku. They pack Goku and some supplies on a plane while they wait for Gohan to get back from dropping Bulma off at home. Gohan arrives just in time, and they all hurry on the plane. Chapter 357. Trunks wonders if he should go into the past even further back and destroy the Jinzo Negan before they're activated, since they know where Dr. Garo's lab is now. Kududin says he thought the time machine wasn't perfect, though, and won't it also just take too long to recharge? Gohan asks what would happen in their time if Trunks did that? Would the Jinzo Negan just disappear? Trunks realizes it wouldn't do much. It would save that newly created timeline from the Jinzo Negan, but this current timeline would remain unchanged, just like how in his own future Goku is still dead and none of these effects had any effect on it. Chi Chi says she's still very thankful for him coming though, since Goku would have died on her otherwise. Vegeta's off on a mountain somewhere by himself letting off some anger. Blah blah blah, I'm the prince. Blah blah blah, I should be stronger. Blah blah blah. I'll get stronger than all of them. They'll see. Kakarot will be next. 18 says this is going to take forever since they don't even know where Goku lives. 16 effortlessly spouts off the exact location of Goku's home, which Dr. Garo, of course, programmed him with, and it would only take a couple of minutes to fly there. 17 says, well, that would not be any fun, though. Ah! Kudunin and the others will be at Roshi's soon, but they should call Bulman to check in. He does so, and she asks to talk to Trunks. Kudunin tosses her on the speaker, and she explains that some farmer called her company, saying he found one of their vehicles abandoned, but he couldn't figure out what to do with it. They couldn't figure out what model it was over the phone, and it didn't even sound like one of theirs, despite having the Capsule Core logo on it. So they had him send a photo of it. It was Trunks' time machine. Trunks says that's impossible, since he has his time machine is a capsule right on him. Bulma says it's very odd since this one seems old and has moss growing all over it. How many time machines did she make in the future? Trunks says she was barely able to make the one. Bulma faxes the photo over to them and sure enough, it looks exactly like Trunks' time machine except all covered in moss and with a giant hole in the top. Julian, 358. The photo definitely looks the same so they will go investigate. Trunks and Gohan head off to meet Bulma where this time machine is located. Gohan asks Trunks about his future. Trunks says that the human population is absolutely devastated and that they are forced to hide underground. It seems like Gero activated the other genes on Ningen as a last resort, so did he have some way to stop them in the testing stages? He must have had some sort of switch to turn them off. Gohan spots the time machine and calls Trunks over. As Gohan flags down Bulma, Trunks pops out his own time machine next to it to compare. It's not just the same time machine, it's Trunks' time machine, since it even has the hope written on it. They start taking a look at it, and it seems like the hole was melted from the inside. Trunks gets inside and finds half of something in there. There's another one off to the side, and Bulma says it looks like some sort of egg. Gohan figures whatever came from that egg must have made the hole. Trunks takes a deeper look and notices that the batteries are almost out of power. But the machine came from age 788, three years further in the future from when he left. It's been here for four years. This is the reason that the past has been changed so much? Up above, Kami realizes his uneasy feeling all these years has not been just about the Jinzo Ningen. It has been absolutely time for them to rejoin into a powerful warrior because something is about to happen on Earth, unlike anything before it. And there is no hope. Jeff, 359. Trunks turns it back into a capsule, and Bulma picks up the egg halves. Gohan explains that they're off to Roshi's place since the Jinzo Ningen are after him. Everyone else didn't even stand a chance against them. As Trunks explains that Vegeta was saved by the Sensu, but didn't go with everyone else, Gohan notices something off behind them. It's a giant husk of some insect-looking being. It's probably whatever came out of that egg, busted out, and took off. Trunks sticks his hand inside it, and it's all sticky and warm. 
whatever came out of there just did so recently. Everyone takes off since they should probably get out of there. 18 tries on some cowgirl-looking clothes at a store and just walks out despite hating them since there's nothing else. The man calls for her to pay but ends up getting the police car since he's been robbed. 18 jumps out of the car and destroys the police car. Kami suddenly senses something below and asks what this thing is. Up in Bulma's plane, the radio is interrupted by a special news announcement. An hour ago, all contact with Gingertown was lost and investigation there saw that everyone had simply vanished. There's absolutely no sign of life. Bulma says that's near where the time machine was. Mary, chapter 360. Bulma calls up Kame House and tells them all to turn on the news. The reporter says that they have discovered what appears to be the clothes left behind from all the Gingertown inhabitants, but there is no sign of life of any of the 15,000 people. Kuririn thinks it's the Jinzoningen, but Bulma's not so sure about that. Chi-Chi comes downstairs and says Goku is resting, while Gohan and Trunks come back in. They continue watching the news as gunshots are heard, but it gets quiet again. The reporter on scene looks past the camera with his eyes wide open, and the screen goes fuzzy. They switch to another channel to see a camera down on its side with someone screaming for help. Kami looks down from above as the screaming stops. Piccolo demands to know what he saw, but Kami says it's no use. He'll know everything once they merge back together. Piccolo is glad he made up his mind, and he must have seen one heck of a monster. Kami says they must hurry, since there cannot be any more victims. Piccolo reiterates that he will be the dominant mind, which Kami agrees to. There was no need for a god anymore, but rather a strong warrior. Kami says that most of Piccolo's evil seems to be gone, and they should not need to split ever again. He bids goodbye to Mr. Popo and initiates the merge. Piccolo looks surprised as the energy around them explodes. As Piccolo cools off, Mr. Popo says goodbye to Kamisama and tells him not to die. Piccolo says he is no longer Kamisama or Piccolo, just a Namekian that no longer even remembers his name. He smiles and waves goodbye to Mr. Popo and flies back down to Earth. Back at Kame House, Trunks says he is going to investigate what's going on. Gohan wants to go too, but Trunks says he'll be fine on his own and can change into a Super Saiyan if he needs to. At the scene of the incident, Piccolo lands and surveys the area. He turns around as we see two strange feet enter the top of the panel and he welcomes the monster. Blah. Chapter 361. Piccolo begins to greet the monster, but he kind of cuts off when he gets a glimpse of him. An extremely tall, demonic, insect-looking humanoid. The monster is holding a man screaming for help. Piccolo says, this isn't possible. The key he's sensing from him. Piccolo says the monster probably can't understand him, but he needs to let that man go, since even a worthless life like that is at least a life. The monster tosses the man down, but his tail flies out and pricks the man in the back, sucking out everything from the insides. The monster smiles and says that he, Piccolo Daimao, is up next. Piccolo asks how the monster knows his name, but it just bends over to power up. Piccolo continues to wonder what the hell is going on, and the monster replies that he is Piccolo's brother. Back at Kame House, everyone is in shock. They sense Frieza, his dad, Goku, Piccolo, Vegeta, but that's impossible. Goku is resting upstairs, and it's coming from the direction of Gingertown. Trunks finally says he has to go and see what this is. Vegeta, still off by himself, can't figure out what's going on either. Tenshinhan and Chiaotzu are having the same problem. Piccolo says if the monster doesn't want to talk, he'll just have to kill him. The monster laughs about Piccolo Daimao killing him, but Piccolo retorts by powering up on his own and replies, Sorry, you got the wrong guy. And that concludes volume 30 of the manga. I want to start it off here, Jeff, your predictions from last time on the show. Actually, about two months ago now. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Are you ready for what you said? No. <laughs> All right, you said Dr. Garrow gonna die. Woohoo. All right. 
<laughs> Batting a thousand so far. I got a point. Okay. <laughs> you said everyone's going to fight 17 and 18, especially because Trunks will recognize them. Yeah, well, that didn't really go off as planned, did well, it? Well, they jumped in. Yeah. <laughs> they all fought, sort of. Right. And we're immediately smacked down, so I'll give that one to you. Yay. You said 17 and 18 can't die because you've seen them at some point later on in the series. So yeah, that was kind of a given. All yeah. right. You said we're going to see Goku come back next volume. Though it will be nice to see Vegeta do some stuff. All right, well, he didn't come back. No, he's still out gold. But we saw him. We saw him. All right. (laughs) You said we will see or at least have mentioned another Dr. Garo creation. You got number number 16. I don't even remember predicting that, but I'm glad (laughs) I did. All right, so I have dubbed this volume Exposition, Exposition, Exposition. I'm going to go over to Mary over here, coming off of Trunks, favorite character. We got the Jinzo Ningen wreaking havoc here. How do you feel about well, just story, story, story? You make that sound like a bad thing. I love this volume so much just because it's one turn after the next. I mean, the first half is an excellent fight with a tough-ass chick and then Vegeta getting his ass handed to him, <laughs> right. which is just so humbling and fantastic. And then we get some interesting um, plot twists with um, Piccolo going up to Kami. Right. Then even right. more so just the incident with the time machine and what the heck? And then oh, not, not just the time machine, yep. but there's a thing inside of it. Oh, not just the time machine. It's Trunks's time machine. Right, right. It's, it's the exact same thing. So this thing is just filled with so many interesting, different ideas that I don't think we've really seen before, plus a pretty decent fight that does not drag on too long. I think the fight is a really good length and a couple powerful hits, too. Damn right. Yeah, that's that's pretty much my summary of my my feelings on this uh, volume. Let me go over to me editing out Mr. Heavy Breather over in Japan. What do you think about this volume? I am not breathing heavily. (laughs) Anyway, although I do have a bit of a stuffy dose this morning. Ah, Oh, volume. Yeah, it's it's got a lot of setup for what's to come, setting up a lot of the mystery Mysteries and the tension that should be resolved at some time in the future. <laughs> but do you like it? Yeah, are you enjoying what's going on here? It's, it's an enjoyable volume, and it's. I, I'd say I like the beginning and the end of this arc more than the middle. So this is still towards the beginning, at least for me. Okay. After this point, it kind of goes into a lull, and then it gets more interesting again. So all right, I like this volume. Okay, let me take it over to Mister Newbie then. Your general impressions on this volume? I I don't know. Can I add anything possibly? Because uh, <laughs> I'm definitely uh, agreeing with everybody on this one. It's just uh, it's v- just enjoyable. I, I, you know, you're right. It is a lot of exposition. Mm-hmm. The fight was quick. Yep. But there was a fight. Jeff, you've talked endlessly on the show before about how you love it when Toriyama keeps you on your toes. Yeah. You like it when you can't guess what's happening next because that that means he's writing well. Yes. Is that what this volume was for you? Well, half and half. I mean, okay. I, I did get some of the predictions and some I half got. True, true. Be- because I was expecting a fight, but I was expecting a fight. I was expecting, like, half the volume gone. You know, right. and then, like, Goku comes back. You know, all the traditional things that one would expect from a manga like this one. You have your main character returning just at the nick of time with the Deus Ex Machina, and then... We're moving away from that. We absolutely are. And it's very interesting to see just how uh, segmented this story gets, especially mm-hmm. at this point, because... Um, you know, as we're doing the review as well, we're just hearing, okay, now we're going to this vantage point and then this vantage point and then this vantage point. So we're kind of like looking at everybody's perspective. We have a lot of locations here. We have we Ginger Town, which is great to just have as a city somewhere. It's got 15,000 people and 
fuck, they're all gone. What's going on? Yeah, isn't that like the first time that happens now in this manga where we go to a city and it's completely still? Yes. It's eerie. You know, it's before, very We've eerie. had Piccolo Daimao just blow shit up before. We've had Frieza destroying planets. This is no one knows what's going on. And we sense Frieza, his dad, Goku, Vegeta. What is this? Yeah, it's kind of creepy, just slightly. So certainly the ending, I think, was, was for me, the, my best, or like my favorite part of the whole manga, really, is just that little eerie silence coming up to this badass green guy. <laughs> well, I don't know if he's green at this point, obviously, because... <laughs> I don't know nothing, man. <laughs> I don't know what's going on here. No, but I mean, honestly, it's, it's very interesting. And I kind of thought that they were hinting at it really, really well. Uh, when they showed Trunks' time machine, mm-hmm. that was like an oh shit moment. Like it's just oh shit after oh shit. Yeah, it really is. It, it, it's kind of lighthearted at the beginning because there's the famed kiss from uh, from seventeen, right? <laughs> uh, eighteen. Oh, eighteen. All right, yeah, right, right. So the I mean, if kiss. you're into that, that's fine. But well, that's, that's not what happened. That's here. one of those things I see all the time. It's uh-huh. like after fighting, 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 one kiss certainly stands out <laughs> from all the scenes. This is what I love. Like this is Toriyama's justification for uh, okay, I, this is what they're gonna do later. Like, the, <laughs> yeah. That that's it. This is the romance we get in this stupid. Series. Right, right, exactly. I think it's subtle. It's very <laughs> subtle in his own kind of way. Subtle. It's like front and center in that panel here. Yeah, I know. But and then after, I love her delivering the anime. She's, she's just like Jana <laughs> flies off. <laughs> it's just funny as compared to the rest of this manga entirely, you know. Uh, but yeah, I think the the it, there was just a lot of fun to it. And then yeah, like you said, it just gets into like a whole downward spiral of. Uh, I mean, it kind of started with the Jinzo Ningen. We thought they were going to be badass and, and You're uh, led to fight everybody. These are the enemies. Now we have two concurrent sets of enemies. Right. All right and, this other thing's off on his own right now. Sure. But, but you know, it, it's weird because I didn't expect them... Like, I knew they were going to have Goku as their target. Yep. But I wasn't expecting a whole Vegeta versus them aspect. Mm. Like, that was surprising to me that he was going to try and just take, mo- take them all on on his own. Let's stick with Vegeta, because we had some interesting conversations about him during the Frieza arc. So how are you feeling about him right now? Is he that spoiled bitch-ass punk that we're just sick of dealing with? Or is he taking the forefront and leading the pack here? What do you think about Vegeta right now? He waves back and forth on my meter. Right now, he's he's a bitch. Okay. He, he's a prima donna bitch, wants <laughs> to be the most powerful thing in the universe, obviously. Right. So. He's back to not being on my good side here. Okay. But that's to be expected. I mean, it's kind of like he took a a triple dose of steroids and, you know. (laughs) Oh, God. You think he took a triple dose of steroids? Wait a few volumes. You will see that come to literal fruition. Sweet. I want to switch over to Mary temporarily. There's a great scene here where everyone joins Bulma on the plane, where you're treated to something in the TV version that is Something so much more. Obviously not Complete with musical interaction. Tell me about it. Oh, man. Key, mind power. Other way around. Mind power key. There you go. Sorry, I- I've grown up the last 15 years with the other <laughs> title in my head. Okay, maybe not 15. <laughs> I thought you were just going to conclude I've grown up over 15 years. <laughs> I've grown up over 15 years of my life. Okay, 15 <laughs> years is too much, but you know what I mean. Yes, yes. Anyway, so in the anime version, we get Trunks uh, having a flashback and relaying his horrible future to everyone on the ship. We've got this great insert song playing in the background. It's pretty short, but we get a good glimpse into kind of that underground habitat that they were living in. Yes. A lot of desolation, a really interesting color palette yeah, during yeah. Um, the scene where he's kind of walking down this 
scene that I abuse in like all my AMVs from like 1988, 99. <laughs> a lot of people draw parallels to Terminator here. Uh, I think specifically Terminator 2. I think that's a, a good comparison to draw just in your own mind, the, these different worlds. And that's really what Trunks has going on. I mean, he's dealing with this world and worrying about the future. I almost feel like this should be, um, we seem to be doing this a lot every volume where we'll just pick out one scene and yep. watch the anime version of it. I love this scene, so I just want an excuse to watch it when we're done. True. I, unfortunately, <laughs> we didn't show it to Jeff beforehand because I knew we were going to have a monster episode to uh, deal with here. This is something that Herms uh, noted, and I absolutely picked up on it too. Uh, I know we're going to have a lot of comments around this area, but talking about the time machine and trunks checking it out he says oh age 788 this is the only mention of a year of time in the series we have a lot of stuff mentioned obviously in the guidebooks daizenju 7 has a fleshed out timeline this is really where that all gets based on for a year to jump off of we're getting very in-universe scientific story based i don't know how you want to describe it julian let me go over to you how are you feeling about uh, we, we've talked extensively about time travel, but now we have this like year to jump off on. Is this Toriyama? Toriyama's writing style. What do you feel about this right here, right now, this specific era? I feel like, <clears throat> I don't know, he's just layering complication upon complication. And he does say in various interviews that he was basically just improvising as he was yeah, making the sure that yep. he thought it wasn't good enough. But at the same time, it does seem to have a certain level of sophistication that indicates he was planning it out beforehand. Yeah, he's faking us pretty good here. <laughs> I'm with him all the way. Yeah, actually, can I mention that, that he? I kind of feel like he's in a story writing prime here? Yes. Mary, I think you and I were talking about this, obviously, off camera, off microphone a while ago. We're going to get to this again, I think, next volume where we explain cells. Oh my god, spoilers! That guy's cell! We'll talk about that, too. Uh, Toriyama and his prior editors and, you know, suggesting changes to what's going on. Let me ask you again, Mary. Do you feel like it was in the story's best interest for them to make these suggestions for the story to change? Well, we'll never know what Toriyama originally planned. Nineteen and Caro was it? Despite people, you know, continuously telling him, "No, this wasn't good enough. Do this." I think he just turned it around so well and just worked based on what people were forcing him to do yeah. that it made it seem like it was intentional all along, I, I which is really astonishing. It feels flawless to me. Like, everything just seems... There are a couple things... I know we'll get to these later on. The way 16 is introduced, Garrow's like, oh my god, he's gonna destroy the world! What's up with that? We never really go anywhere with that. Sure, we're gonna see bombs and that kind of stuff, but I feel like a couple little things like that are just left behind. But overall, I think Toriyama totally nailed it. This is his writing prime right here. Jeff, you started talking about that. What do you think? Uh, absolutely. And I will, I will have to disagree with you, though. I think 16's, uh, or Dr. Garrow's introduction of 16 with destroying the world, uh -huh. I think it sets up something in the future. Because, you know, me, I don't know. But it, for <laughs> me, it sets a flag down, like, pay attention to this. Especially uh -huh. when, when 16 gets pissed, not pissed, but he gets irritated that the birds leave from the fight, remember? Right, this is so different. Right? Yep. That I, he doesn't care about the fight. Not at all. Well, I, we know that his goal is to destroy Goku. Like we yes. know that, and he's built from spare parts, not from 
a human. Right. He's not based on any organic whatsoever so, stuff. Because that explains 17 and 18's uh, humanisms. But 16, yes, it yes. really makes a good case for 16 because he has this goal in mind and, and you can tell he's so dedicated about Single it. purpose programming. Yeah. But then as soon as something happens, you see him sort of trigger a human-like moment. Mm, yeah. So I, I like that element, although it's very suspension of disbelief here. Yeah, because obviously, you know, if there if if there was no human element, he wouldn't care at all. He'd just be staring straight forward until he saw Goku, right? Yeah. So or just fly off without seventeen and eighteen. Why is he even there with seventeen? Well, that's 18? the thing. Why does he need to stay with them? What yeah. does he get out of it? He said it's just going to take us a couple minutes. I like this is where he is. Let's just go. Yeah. So that's kind of unexplained, I guess, and and it could have been like a side thing they wanted him to do, and and Toriyama didn't explore too much, but. At the same time, there's so much other stuff going on that it's it's fine that it's not the big thing, right? I mean, we can deal with that at a later time. Sure. I'm cert- I mean, of course, I know we're going to deal with that at a later time. So just for this perspective, I think really the rest of the story just does such a great job of providing... Uh, well, I, I think the exposition is certainly a, a very basic way to put excellent setup, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, like that's how I would look at it because there's setup all over the volume. And so we've got people getting angrier in some parts. We've got... Uh, these horrible badasses showing up. and Jeff, let me stick worse. with them. You were talking mm-hmm. about 17 and 18 being human, which yes. we know they are. They are cyborgs. They were originally human. Tell me about your read of them now. I mean, 18 is controlling the fight. 17 walks on clapping at Vegeta's <laughs> little speech, this kind of stuff. How are you feeling about these two? Um, well, I think my original comment was I just hate how they were drawn. <laughs> right. So right. I'm over that, thankfully. Okay. <laughs> but, uh, you know, the, the two androids, they're... They're very entertaining to watch. I, I love their little exchanges like, oh, it's such a guy thing. You just want to grab a car and drive and find them. <laughs> you won't even just fly there. And it's kind of funny because I was thinking the same thing. Like, why don't you just fly? I mean... <laughs> oh, that's no fun. Come on. Apparently yeah. not. And it's like, it's like you know there's going to be a little side joke somewhere. Well, if this were an American comedy, there'd be a side joke of like, oh, you never asked for directions. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes. didn't, doesn't she actually she say that? She does say that, too. It's so. funny. Yeah. Like a little tie in there. I thought was funny. I don't know if that's a visitor. That's oh, what I was wondering, we'll if that. that was a visitism. Yeah, but uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I just their, their exchanges are just humorous. So it starts to take away that whole thing of them being the main enemies because you are entertained by their exchanges. Right. They're lovable villains. Oh, exactly. It's funny because, you know, you think about Vegeta, he's technically a villain too, really. <laughs> I guess. And you see him more as a villain in this volume. Yeah. Like I guess that's how it is. When I see him as a teammate, he's I, I really enjoy his presence. When he's a villain, I really okay. ca- don't care for him. Right. So seeing him be the villain again, it makes 17 and 18 st- like personable. It makes them someone, they make them people you want to keep up with or, or characters you want to keep up with. I don't know. I, I think right now I'm, I'm very interested in seeing where that whole thing goes. And I, I guess that's part of the point, right? Because they're going to show up. So we need to know what's going on with them almost at all times. Speaking of villains, let me go over to Mary here. Prior villain, God damn it, I'm a demon. I'm just using you to take over the world. Fly up, remerge. Tell me all about this scene. <laughs> you know, even though I know that that he says that, I mean, every time I see it, it almost catches me off guard because I do consider him part of the group. Yep. I was like, oh, wait, he, he doesn't consider him part of the group? I mean, it's been years, but okay. Bullshit. He's still putting up a bit of a manly front. Yeah. That scene, uh, no longer remember my name, the smile and the goodbye. I still so vividly picture this scene in the original Japanese version. 
and I think that background music is one of the unreleased pieces of music, and it kills me. That's one of those like hits me kind of moments. Do you feel that from the manga at all? Um, not so much the manga. Okay. And if I remember correctly, the dub actually it was one of the few instances where they accurately. Ch- I made such a big deal out of it on my site back I in the day when it aired, but this was the Vegeta like EX is a sellout moment because I was like, hey, they had some silence. I thought that was decent. Oh yeah, that's what started Rem- it. Remember those days where if I said anything nice about the dub, I was a sellout. Yes, crazy. Anyway. EX is a funny loving sellout. <laughs> I don't remember much. I remember that. But yes, please. What else? Oh, that's it. All right, Julian, how are you feeling about these villains, these characters? We have, what, six or seven groups off their own different locations? Is it too much to keep up with, or are you following along? Well, you know, I know what's going on, so I don't have any trouble following it. But, you know, it is a bit much to take in if you're just starting out. I mean, you did have Dr. Ghetto, well, number 20 and number 19, but now... Both of those are gone. Now you have number 17 and 18, and this number 16 guy we really don't know what's going on with. 17 and 18 don't seem like they really care that much about, you know, fighting except when they get annoyed. And then you got this green thing over making people disappear, and you got Piccolo going off to do his own thing, and Piccolo seems kind of pissed, but I don't know, it seems like more an act than anything else at this point, and... You got the whole time machine thing, and everything is just going on, and it's so confusing at first, perhaps. I don't know. I've been with it for so long that I can't remember really being that confused. Right, we just know what's going on. All right, we're going to talk a little bit more about it. I actually want to take it over to Herms's Viz-isms here. Uh, I think we have ten notes. The first one's really the long one. This is Viz. They're really strange with what they call the Jinzonigan, the artificial humans, the androids, whatever you want to call them. Careful to note, and we'll remember this from the original Shonen Jump magazine printings, that 17 and 18 are technically cyborgs, but then they go and change dialogue so that they're referred to as as machines, both by themselves and others. Uh, Herms gives us a quote here. It's a line from number 17 while they're talking to 16 and planning their next move. Herms' translation would be, I don't like doing exactly what Dr. Garrow told us to do, but even us androids want some objective for the time being. Versus over in the Viz where it says, I hate following Garrow's programming, but now that we're machines, we need a sense of purpose. And later on, Vegeta's fighting 18. The originally says, you're an android, not a woman. While in Viz he says, you're a machine, not a woman. Sort of on the flip side of that, he says in the original, Piccolo explains that Vegeta was, quote, shocked to be beaten by a woman, much less an android. But in Viz he says Vegeta's shock is due to being beaten by, quote, a woman, or at least an android that looked like one. There's more of that in later volumes, and he says, I don't really understand what the point of flip-flopping on who's calling who what. Me neither. He says, uh, another note, after 16 explains to Kududin why they won't stop hunting Goku, 17 responds, that's right, which envises, you heard the machine. Okay, so, <laughs> I'm just gonna read her and Herms' quote here. Okay, so 16 is a robot and all, but what is this obsession with using the word machine at every possible opportunity? And finally, another minor thing. In the original, 17 refers to the process Garo used to make him and 18 as the human base method, which Viz just calls cybernetics. Julian, why don't you take uh, Herm's note number two here? All right. Viz misses up the whole use of Sama honorific on Kami's name in this volume. First, they leave it off when Canadians explaining the Piccolo-Kami merger. And this is interesting because they've always, they had always been very careful up to this point about putting it where it goes and I there's a point too where Piccolo is on um, Kaiosama's planet and leaves it off and they make a big deal out of that because right. Piccolo is being 
rude. But uh, Viz, so Kurenin respects God, so he calls him Kami-sama, but Viz takes off the Sama, and they also change Mawo, or Demon King, to Lord of Evil. But God himself doesn't seem, doesn't have any need to show himself respect, so when Kami, the Kami and Piccolo Fusion says that he is no longer Kami or Piccolo, he doesn't use any Sama in Japanese, but Viz use, changes the line so that he does refer to himself as no longer Kami-sama. <laughs> Mary, I take it over to Hana Yuri Dango with my favorite phrase of all time, Ore-sama, calling yourself Sama. Even Vegeta does that too. <laughs> it's true. Like, you, you really don't need to do that. Right. So they're, they're flipping around here. Mary, why don't you take uh, number three here? It's a little Japanese cultural thing. Okay. Um, this is from when Gohan comes back to Kame House after checking out the time machine. Japanese uh, version goes, Ah, Muten Roshi-sama. Ojimashimas and Viz. Uh, oh, Master Roshi, hi. <laughs> um, so what they're leaving out is kind of a cultural phrase for when you enter someone's home. Ojimashimas, who uh, essentially means sorry to intrude. You know, I'm coming into your home. I'm invading your space. Sorry, uh, like uh, pardon me, kind of thing. Right, and Gohan is so polite. You might as well just say, "Oh, pardon my." Coming in, or pardon me, or something like that. It's a real tiny thing, but... Mind if I come in? Yeah, mind if I come in. That would have been perfect. Exactly. Just, I love your... Oh, Master Roshi, hi. I love your reading of it right there. Uh, Jeff, why don't you tell me? You love swearing at me. I do, you fucktard. <laughs> so what do you got here? Uh, there's two bits of identical swear word covering up at the... Uh, uh, at around the same point, when Vegeta starts getting overwhelmed by 18, Trunk says, Kuso, which is simply no. Kso. Oh, that's what that is, really? Yes. Oh, well, well then, Kso then, jerk, which is simply no in Viz. Wow, that's bad. While Piccolo shouts, Kso, when Trucks flies off to help Vegeta, this also gets replaced with no. So really, just replacing damn or shit, however you want to translate it based on, you know, how harsh you're saying, just as, no. All right, moving on. No. No. I don't even know what that is, but I'll say it anyway. So the next note here, uh, number 18, when Garo mentions number 19, Herms would translate as, number 19, you made such a thing? I get it. You had him turn you into an android, right? Over in Viz, it says, so you caused another one of us to die, did you? And you talked him into turning you into an android? There's that quote there, caused another one of us, or caused another of us to die, bit is really weird over in the Viz. What other Jinzo Negans did Garo cause to die? That, that's, that's really weird. That is a really weird one there. Uh, Julian, I take it over to you with more Japanese phrasings. What do you got here with uh, Herm's note number six? So when talking about no one interfering in 18 in Vegeta's battle, 17 mentions Bushido Seishin, or Bushido Spirit. Bushido being the way of the warrior, the code of honor that samurai were supposedly living <laughs> right. by. Viz calls it the code of a warrior, which is not a bad translation. Yeah, that was pretty good. I actually had that in my notes there. Uh, Mary, here's a pretty simple one. Okay, when uh, Kami is talking to Piccolo about the androids, he originally flat out says that Vegeta is more powerful than Trunks. While in the Viz version, he says that Vegeta is potentially more powerful than Trunks. This is the kind of shit I hate, because I don't care who's stronger than who at any which point in time but it is a little weird thing that they would change there jeff uh you love rudeness so here's one for you <laughs> swearing in rudeness <laughs> that's right this I'm is casting a- you <laughs> fine fair enough uh when kudurdin calls bulma she comes off a lot ruder in the viz translation uh the original is kudurdin what is it are you safe and in the viz it's kudurdin so you finally decided to call 
<laughs> What's up with that translation? That's really weird. Another uh, really short one here. When Seventeen talks about them leisurely taking their time to drive to Goku's house, the translation would really be, you're so childish, number 17. Here you go, over in Viz. You never will ask for directions. So that is a little bit of a Vizism there. But... Uh, I think it kind of works. It's changing the intent, or it's changing the intent, but the meaning is kind of the same. I don't know. Julian, why don't you take out Herms' last note here, number 10. I'm vaguely annoyed that Viz's title for DBZ number chapter 167 is Cell, when his name won't be revealed until next volume. Okay, so I'm sure even Jeff knows who this guy is, but still. <laughs> I'd just like to add, too, that even in the Japanese titles of the anime, yes. where they're notable, they're usually just coming out and saying whatever happens in the episode. Transformed at last! It's still a few episodes along before they actually, you know, come out and say what his name is. I think he, he first appears in, um, what is it, uh, episode 141 or 142, right. but it's not until 143 that they say what his name is. Absolutely. Have fun complaining about it. I don't read the titles anyway. <laughs> uh, yeah, another major thing missing from the manga, Norio Wakamoto is not present here in his wonderful belches. I mean, he can be if you're picturing him in your head like I am, but just saying. He's in your head? Norio Wakamoto resides in my head. Yes, this is true. Jeff, I want to take it over to you and your predictions for next volume of the manga. This would be volume 31. What do you think is going to happen? We have 17, 18, and I suppose 16 traveling off to find Goku. The others are moving him around. He's over at Kame House. And now we've got Cell showed up in this city. Everyone out. Piccolo's re-emerged with Kami, and Cell knows who everyone is, and they're sensing all these different key coming from him. Where the hell's this going next volume? And this is where we start testing my memory. <laughs> all right. So, uh, let's see. I don't know how the pacing's going to be in the manga, however, since I've only seen it in the series. So, uh, if anything, this yeah, is... I'm flipping ahead. I can see um, where this ends. Okay, right. yeah. Well, uh, just looking at what we're left with, I can guarantee Piccolo and Cell are fighting. All right. Absolutely guarantee they're going to be fighting, which is going to be awesome. I can't wait to see that. Uh, also, um, as for the androids or the Jinzo Ningen, I don't really know where or where that's going to go, honestly, because uh, uh, they could go trying to find Goku, but they relocated him, so obviously that's going to be a bit of a problem. So uh, I would figure they're going to still be in the middle of traveling. Um, maybe someone's going to get like a, like a clue about something and then just sort of expedite the process, because otherwise it'll be a very long manga. The only other thing I can think of is with uh, Goku. I, I'm actually going to predict that he gets better and like that, like better enough to be able to join. You're just going to keep predicting that each volume until he comes back. Well, I mean, am I wrong? Come on, I mean, I'm not saying anything. I know what happens. Am I getting disqualified for no. doing the same prediction each no, manga? It's fine. Then it's that's fine. what I'm predicting here. All right. So. Yeah, he'll no, he'll. I, I'm thinking he's going to come back this time because uh, we've already seen him out cold, if anything, and, and getting better. I, yeah, I would yeah figure, he calmed down. Yep. Yeah, with the with the rate that he's getting better, he should be fine next uh, next volume. Okay. Um, and as for everybody else, well, we kind of know they're going to have to be a lot stronger in order to take on the the Jinzo Ningen, so they're going to have to do some training, which I'm kind of looking forward to. Gonna have a training montage. They're gonna need a montage. Excellent. All right, those are your predictions for next volume. That's what I got. 
All right, we are done with our manga review of Awesomeness for this month and wow. really the last two months. That was volume 30. Be sure to check in uh, around the beginning of next month. I can't guarantee it'll be the first week of the month, but Jeff, you'll join us again and we'll do volume 31, yeah? Sounds good to me. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's move on with our episode. We got a few last things. Let's do the releases for October. All righty, first thing up, we're jumping ahead to October 20th. Which is, let's see, going to be about a week and a half from the time you hear this episode. Over here in the U.S., Dragon Ball Revenge of King Piccolo. This is the American release of Tenka Ichi Daibo Ken for the Nintendo Wii coming to you from Namco Bandai. You can pick it up for $39.99, GameStop, Amazon, all the regular places have it for that same price. And hopefully we're going to be getting this in for a review. I'm looking forward to playing this game. Mary, you've expressed interest in playing this yeah, game Yeah, very much, because it's different. Good deal. Uh, Julian, I go over to you the next day, but across the pond. Yes, on October 21st, a Wednesday, Dragon Ball Z, Dragon Box Volume 6 will be coming out in Spain. That's an R2 PAL release, sets of two disc packs that were previously released. It's uh, 10 discs and episodes 200 to 247, covering the Siaman arc, and I'm spoiling things for Jeff, so I'm not going to say any more. Anyway, uh, the last few sets were 59.95 in euros at sonadvd.com. Yippers. All right, I go over to Mary then, October 23rd over right. in Japan. It's a busy, busy day for Kai. We've got um, the Dragon Ball Kai Blu-ray Box 1 Kai episodes 4 through 15. This is the one with the 4x3 aspect ratio in high definition. Don't forget that part. Uh, it's 15960 yen msrp uh you can find it for pre-order on cd japan for 15,200 yen or on amazon japan for 11,698 yen and mike checking to see if it yeah, has a low low price uh what did we say it was 11,698 well now it's 11,810 so really only about a couple bucks difference there nothing too different on uh, amazon japan right there. So also coming out that day is Dragon Ball Kai uh, DVD Single Disc Volume 2. This is Kai Episodes 4 through 6 with the 16 by 9 aspect ratio cropped in standard definition. It's 2,940 yen. Uh, you can get it on CD Japan pre-order for 21.55 yen. Actually, it's uh, 1,900. So oh, wow, 1,900. Little Sweet. fluctuation there. And uh, Amazon Japan for 21.55. Let's check that one to see if prices... Uh, uh, I got the wrong link there, but probably around that You get the price. gist of it. <laughs> and then uh, finally coming out that day... I want to stop you here, because this is actually quasi-news, quasi-release date. Let me tell oh. you what's going on here on October 23rd. Some misinformation we don't know. Limited edition version of Raging Blast for the UK is listed on Amazon UK coming out there on the 23rd, although the regular edition is listed as coming out on November 13th, which is around the same time we're getting it. We're getting it November 10th. Japan is November 12th. And so it it seems like Europe is really getting it on November 13th. Because even uh, Amazon Germany has the 13th. It's just the limited edition version for the UK that says October 23rd. So we don't know for sure. So I'm just going to leave it there. Um, pay attention to the homepage. We'll try to clarify stuff uh, if and when we know more. So for the last release date that we know in October, Jeff, I turn it over to you. All right. Well, on that Tuesday for the 27th, uh, we have the volume five of a Viz Big series that's going to cover the original Japanese Tonkobon volumes number 29 to 31, which uh, in uh, Viz DBZ graphic novel volumes, it's 13 through 15. Right it's, where we are. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Uh, MSRP of 17.99, but you can pre-order it at 12.23 at Amazon. Good stuff. Our allies do. We need mail here. 
Julian, I ask you, good sir, read our email from Dustin. Okay, Dustin writes us to say that, I was just wondering, how come you guys never reviewed the Dragon Ball Season 1 box set? Was it passable enough that it didn't catch your attention? Or was it just that the Dragon Box kind of overshadowed its arrival? If I remember correctly, you did review Dragon Ball GT and Dragon Ball Z Season 1, right? So what's the deal? Ooh, ooh, I can answer this one. Okay. We don't own it yet. <laughs> that is my point number one. But main, it's on a certain someone's Christmas list. Main reason is we didn't buy it. Now, this is just a side hobby for us, so even we don't buy every single last thing that comes out. Our priority, obviously, you know us. It does lie with the Japanese merch and new material there. And since this was a re-release, it didn't really take the cake for us. Now, I own, I, I got this a uh, few years back when you could still get it. I got the Australian release of the saga of Goku. So I do own that. And then all the Funimation releases, the well, their original releases of the original Dragon Ball TV series. So buying this wouldn't be filling in any holes for me. And then also, like you noted, it really seemed like it was a competent release. We knew and discussed the technical details ahead of time. There really wasn't much to review at that point. Unlike the Z sets, which, you know, those were their own monster. And then GT, we were a little unclear about, even leading up to its release, was it going to be 4x3? What kind of remastered? We knew what this was. It was remastered like GT. It was 4x3. Really, the only problem we can come up with is that they were English-only title cards. Like, that's the worst thing we were going to say about it. It was, it's pretty good. If I, I would like to get it eventually and, you know, maybe pull the old Funimation releases and box them up and have a little better video quality, that kind of stuff. That's really it. We don't have a lot to say. I, I recommend it, especially episodes 1 through 13, finally uncut in Japanese for the first time in the U.S. Don't bother with the PAL releases. Get it. It's progressive. That's all I gotta say about it. I guess that's it. The so Julian, that's the only email we're doing. Tell the good folks listening to our show they got questions, all that good stuff, where they want to do. You've got questions. We have responses. I think that's close yes. enough to not get sued. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Send all questions for the show to the podcast at DiZX.com. Find us on Twitter at DiZX for news and site announcements, and individually at VegetaWeX, Saiya Jedi, and Mary T.O.T. There you go, folks. Uh, my raw timeline recording, although we uh, cut Julian out a few times because he went into robotic voice mode, so my raw recording is closing in on right about now, one hour, 52 minutes. Whoa. We'll see what that ends up being in the final version. Maybe I'll throw some robotic Julian uh, do another remix. I don't know. <laughs> it would fit with the theme of the manga. It would. It would. Julian is my Mecha Man for the episode. So we're done. This was episode 193, according to my notes. So next week on the show is going to be episode 194. We're going to do a quick review of the first Kai Blu-ray release. It's going to be a short episode. I'm probably going to put it up early, actually. Since, uh, Mary, you and I are going to be leaving for a week. Going on a boat, motherfucker. <laughs> Got my flippy floppies. <laughs> yep, one year anniversary. We'll check you later. Leaving for a week. Fuck you guys. I'm going on vacation. A second hunt? Oh, yes. God. Yes, exactly. Give one to me. <laughs> you can come, I guess. You can't make it over, so I can say that. I can say, oh, Julian, you can come with us. I always We're want invited. to do a big group cruise, though. I do, too. Awesome. Save it for the 50th. <laughs> Everybody does it for their 50th. We'll all be old. No idea where we are. <laughs> How did I get here? All right. So that's going to be 194 next week. Look for uh, an early short episode around there. I don't know who we'll talk to with that. I'll talk to someone. Uh, then we'll have a week off. We'll come back a week after that for episode 194. 
5. Hopefully, that will be our review of Revenge of King Piccolo on the Nintendo Wii. Uh, maybe that, and then week after that, maybe we'll do manga. It's kind of two weeks, maybe flip-flopped. I don't really know what's going on around that time. It's too far out. I don't know what's going on. Uh, so yeah, folks, 193. We'll check you back next week. Visit the site. Julian, what's the address? The website can be found on the internet at www.dizex.com, which is D-A-I-Z-E-X.com. Yeah, so we look forward to whatever your secret projects have been that you mentioned last time you were on the show. I don't even know what it is. Yes. I look forward to seeing it. Me too. So, folks, we're done. Jeff, I say goodbye to you, good sir. Would you like to plug anything? I'm on a boat, motherfucker. Okay. That's all. All right. <laughs> With, I mean, like, the horrible auto-tune. Isn't it funny? Because it's that song that we're mentioning. Yeah, I know. It's relevant. Yes, Love Fidelity. Yeah, Love Fidelity at lovefidelity.info. Episode's up right now, thankfully. Uh, and next one's going to be extra special. I'm going to announce it here, Mike. Yes. We, uh, well, or let me say I interviewed... You're getting married? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Jeff and I are getting married. <laughs> I am marrying myself. Thank you. <laughs> no, uh, I interviewed uh, the guy that we're going to be reviewing uh, next episode, Ben Jordan, also known as the Flashbulb. So, I'm sorry uh, I couldn't make it down for the review. Eh, Stuff going on, you know, life. That was cool. That was we'll cool. So either way, uh, you know, we're going to be doing that episode recording hopefully very soon. So uh, yeah. We'll do it before I leave. Yes, yep. absolutely. We'll do it. Excellent. Yep. Jeff and I are going to do it. All right. <laughs> so that's even better than getting married. There you go. I'm committed. Friends with benefits. <laughs> that's the way I like it. Uh, Mary, let's say goodbye to you. Yeah, bye. You I got a site too. It's not yeah. worth plugging. All right then. Just Aww. my memories. It's a uh, templeoftrunks.com. T e m p l e o t r u n k s dot com. A relic of the internet. Relic of internet past, I believe, is my description. That's right. All right, Julian, you and I. You already mentioned the URL. I guess that's about it. So thank you, good sir. Yes. Yes. For Jeff over there. Bye. For Mary, also over there. Bye. And for Julian off in Japan. My name is Mike Vegeta Wex. Julian, wrap it up, dude. Thanks for listening to the podcast.